Just as uh, just as comfortable, you know, uh, with with uh, with a tool in his hand of any kind as he is uh, certainly uh, singing up here. But uh, you know, uh, Brother Roy, as as he said, he's been singing in this church for over 50 years, for over 50 years. And I appreciate uh, you know people that 
I mean, they're not just a flash in the pan, right? I mean, sometimes you have, you, you have, you have some people that'll blow in, you know, and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're big talkers and they're all hyped up and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, that, that's good. I mean, you're, you're getting me excited right now, but let's see over a little while here how this, uh, this pans out, right? Let's see if, <laughs> if this is just, uh, you know, blowing in and blowing out um, because uh, what really, what really uh, is impressive to me is when, is when somebody shows the substance to, to stick with things over the long haul. And, uh, and Brother Roy is, is one of those men uh, uh, here. We, we have a number of people, um, you know, that uh, through, through thick and thin, I mean, you know, this church, this church has been through a, through a lot over the years. It's had times when, I mean, we had the school over here. We must have had, uh, Brother Gower, we must have had 250, 300 people in here sometimes, didn't we, when they had the school? And uh, then, you know, uh, there were some times when there were some struggles. The uh, Lord certainly has been blessing uh, uh, these days. Uh, but I appreciate uh, uh, those that are kind of just stuck by the, the, the stuff here. So we can have the benefits that we have uh, uh, here uh, today. Our theme for the year, I'm going to switch over to the, to the cordless here, Brother Harry. Our theme for the year is, as you see on the sign behind me there, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus. And one of the premises that we have to have in mind for this message today is that uh, Jesus is God. We have to understand that Jesus is God. And that's substantiated in the scripture. I mean, anybody who tells you that the Bible doesn't bear that out hasn't read the scriptures very closely. Uh, because Jesus, if, 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 you, if you go... Um, on the church website, or um, you, you can find archived messages there on this theme. Um, also on the podcast or wherever you can find the messages from our church. One of the messages there is looking at a Jesus as God. And uh, we just laid it out scripturally, very plainly, very, very scripturally to, uh, to show that the Bible declares that Jesus is God. And that is foundational. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, by his own claims, was God. And uh, he forgave sins, and only God can forgive sins. Um, he healed people uh, miraculously. He controlled the weather with his words. Um, when people called him Lord and called him God, he didn't correct them. And uh, I mean, Jesus, Jesus is God, there's no doubt about it. If you want to hear a little more about that, you can certainly look up that message. But. Uh, we're going to look at today is the invitations of Jesus. Let's go to Isaiah 1, uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 1, verse 18. And the Lord Jehovah is speaking here, but uh, Jesus is Jehovah. And uh, the false Jehovah's witnesses, they say Jesus isn't God. Uh, well, Jehovah is Jesus. And uh, when you see Jehovah in the Old Testament, that's speaking of, of Jesus there. Uh, so Isaiah 1.18. Isaiah 1.18. Now we're just going to look at, at several of the invitations of Jesus here. Looking at a Jesus and seeing what he invites you to, what he calls you to, what he offers you. All right? And so in, in Isaiah 1.18 it says, come now. And so the invitation is there. Uh, just the general invitation of, of, of come with me. We're going to do something together here. Come with me. Come now and let us, what's the next word? Reason. Let us reason. Let us reason together. 
And you know, the, the Christianity, I have found to be very reasonable. I have found Christianity to be logical. I have found Christianity to answer all the big questions that I had. And I had questions. I'm not the type of person that just likes to, to be told that something's true and then not to see it. I don't like to just kind of be blindly guided into something that I don't know what's going on. And sure, I grew up in a pastor's home, and, and, and sure, I was exposed to the Bible from a young age, but I wanted to see it for myself. I wanted to see, do these things really make sense? Does the picture come together as being complete? Um, is it sufficient? Does it answer the questions that I really had? Does it answer the questions about, you know, where we came from? Why we're here? What we're supposed to be doing while we're here? Where we're headed? About eternity, are we, are we meant to last forever? You know, are those questions that I think everybody ponders at one time or another. And I, I've talked to people because, you know, having grown up in, I guess, what you, you know, you'd call it a Christian home, and, and uh, you know, people almost think you were just automatically a Christian. You know, you're born a Christian, right? Uh, it's not the, we know that's not the way it works. But, uh, you know, I, I've talked to people who, got, who came to, to believe in God later in life or who came to God through, uh, through Jesus Christ later in life. And I've asked them, you know, did you think about these questions? And I've asked different questions. Did you think about, uh, you know, what was going to happen when you died? Did you think about whether there was a specific plan for your life? And did you think about those things when you didn't really have a relationship with God? And, and, and uh, you know, people that I talked to, they, they, they said, yeah, I did. I did. I mean, sometimes, you know, it was like when I just was by myself or when I laid down before I went to sleep. Or there was times when I just kind of pondered those issues. And I did wonder. And, and people, are, you know, we're made to have questions. We're made in the, in the image of God to, to reason, to think about things, to articulate I tell my boys, you know, it's not enough just to know what you believe. You've got to be able to, to explain that. You've got to be able to articulate what you believe. You've got to know why you believe it and, and, and what you believe and why you believe it. You've got to be able to say, you know, these are the reasons right here. I can explain to you why I've come to these conclusions. Because when, when, when Bible Christianity talks about faith, it's not some vague notion. It's not some detached principle. It's not some undescribed thing. I, I have faith. I have my faith. Okay, well, what does that look like? <laughs> What's the object of your faith? What's the foundation of your faith? What are the benefits of you having the faith that you say you have and what you're trusting in? And the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And uh, that's why we, we, we teach God's word here. Because we don't want to have an undefined faith, a vague faith, uh, sort of like this little, you know, rabbit's foot that we take out once in a while and, and rub, or, or some, you know, some, some Santa Claus, or, or some, some thing that we're looking at, some hocus-pocus thing that, that hopefully is going to see me through. And I'll thank my lucky stars in the end, right? This is, this is about the creator God, who was a personal God, who knows your name, who has a plan for you, not only in this lifetime, but he wants to enjoy a relationship with you forever. Forever. And that's the God that we see here, uh, the Lord Jehovah, uh, Jesus Christ, who says, come now, come now. Let's reason together. I like that invitation. I like that a lot. And let's pray and then we'll talk a little more about it.
Lord, I pray that as we come now that we would reason together with you. And uh, sometimes we know that this is used to apply to reason amongst one another as, as human beings, but Lord, uh, there's only so much that can benefit if, if you're not the center of it. And so, Lord, may we come and may we reason with you today, and may we see the invitations that you give us, and may we benefit from them, uh, Lord, as you, as you give these offers. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. So God wants you to reason with him. He wants you to think things through with him. And I'll tell you one thing, that it seems to me like the more, the, the more reasonable we try to become, the more sophisticated we try to become, the more advanced we try to become apart from God, the more the opposite takes place. It's like when people try to reason it all out without God. They push God out of the way. And they say, we as people now are going to reason all this out. We're going to fix all this. It just seems to become a bigger, bigger mess all the time. You ever notice that? The more reasonable we try to become without God, the more unreasonable things seem to become. The more, you know, it seems that we, we call right wrong and we call wrong right. And some crazy things start to happen. <laughs> Some real crazy things start to happen. And that's not new to this age. Uh, I mean, it's happened throughout, throughout history. And that's one of the reasons why we need to pay attention to history. Because we're meant to learn from history. Do you notice we're, we're given memories, all right? If God wasn't interested in history at all, he'd make us so that we just erase every day before, then why would we have to have a memory? We wouldn't need a memory, right? That's reasonable. God says, you know, let me reason with you, okay? Be sharp in your thinking. Uh, keep your mind sharp. Be sober. Be vigilant. You've got to be clear thinkers here. Reason with me. Reason according to my truths. And one of the things that God says, you know, I want you to remember things from the past, not to live in guilt, because the Bible talks about the fact that we want to forget things that keep us in bondage. You know, uh, like uh, some people, they want, you to be, they want you to be riddled with guilt all your life, and they use that to control you. I've seen spouses do that to, 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 you know, uh, uh, to, to their spouse. They, they, they hold a guilt cloud over them for some mistake they made or some, something they've done, and they want to keep them in, the, in bondage of guilt their, whole, their, their, their subsequent days. That's not biblical. It's not biblical for us to be living in guilt over that which God has delivered us from. Right? And, and, and that's a controlling thing, these guilt tactics. And we see them about us today. You know, God says, come, come reason with me. But people, you know, they try, to, they try to manipulate you with guilt tactics. And you've got to have this guilt. And you've got to be defined and controlled by this guilt. And the Bible says, you know, forgetting those things which are behind. We press towards the mark, the high calling Christ Jesus. Right? But as far as, as a memory that God has given us, you know, as far as history goes, we want to we learn from those things. Well, I say, you know, throughout history, yeah, there's been some crazy things that have happened, and, and most of those crazy things that have happened is because God wasn't acknowledged. Because people didn't reason with God. People didn't try to get the answers from God. You know, people just try to figure it out their, their, their own way, according to their, their own uh, uh, feelings. Driven by feelings, driven by desires of their own heart, and just want to control things according to their own desires, and pushing out God more and more. And then so that's when things get wild. That's when things get really wild. And so God has the answers, and God says, you know, come reason with me. 
Come reason with me. And really the main thing that he's reasoning with here in Isaiah chapter 1, you can study this more on your own, but he's reasoning with his people in regards to, to the biggest problem that there is in the world and individually, and that's sin. The Bible says, for all have what? Sin and come short of the glory of God. So I was talking to, to an individual uh, recently who had a very common approach, and his approach was to compare himself to others and think that he was okay with God. But that's a really bad approach. <laughs> because, you know, we can always find someone, I guess, who we would say is a bigger loser than we are, right? We can always find someone who say, we can say that they're a bigger scoundrel than we are. They're worse than we are. And so we compare ourselves to others, which the Bible says is not wise, so then what do we do? We feel better about ourselves, right? The Bible says, though, all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. You know who the glory of God is? Jesus Christ, His Son, God the Son. And, and this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus showed us the standard, and we all fall short of the glory of God. So if you want to compare yourself to somebody, you've got to compare yourself to Jesus. And whenever you compare yourself to Jesus, that gives, you a that gives you a reality check right there, doesn't it? It gives you the reality check that you need. And so God says, come let us reason together. And here's the thing about sin. It's the biggest problem that we have, and we all have it. It's a universal problem. Everybody has it. There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth right and sinneth not, the Bible says. We all have that problem. So here's the thing. If it's the biggest problem we have because it separates us from God... And it's a problem that everybody has. How do we reconcile that? How do we reconcile sin? And here's the thing. God is reasoning with them in this passage here. He says, come let us reason together about sin. And what he's going to show them is that only through me can your sin be reconciled. Now here's the thing. People sense in this world, people sense in their heart that there's a problem. People sense that there's right and wrong. Right now, there's a lot of talk about injustice, right? And people sense that there is injustice in the earth. In fact, it actually talks about that uh, uh, here um, in, 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 this, in this passage. It talks about in, in verses 16 and 17, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek, what's the next word? Justice. Relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widows. So is it wrong to seek justice in this lifetime? It's not wrong to do that. But the problem is, God says, let's reason about this. The only way you're going to find reconciliation is through me. People are not going to find reconciliation in this world apart from, from, from Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ... We have full reconciliation with him and possibly, potentially, through him with people of all kindred, tribes, nations. No matter what they look like, no matter where they come from, nationality, I believe in one race, the human race, but if you want to talk about races, all the reconciliation possible is through the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that in him, 
There really are no separations of those things. There, there, there's no separation. God is not a respecter of person. There's full reconciliation available to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that could be a, uh, a great message for another time to cover that more fully. But you know, when it comes to sin, sin cannot be reconciled apart from God. In the human effort, trying to make everything right, does it work? Are we going to solve all this world's problems no matter how much we try to, to, to lobby for them? History tells us that, that we're not going to. We're not going to. We tend to repeat the same madness over and over again. We, treat, we, we, we seek to, co to come up with the same broken solutions that do not work. We do, okay, we see them not, to wor not, not working in this corner of the world. And we see them not working over here in this place. But all of a sudden, we think that they're, they're magically going to work for, 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 for us here in America. I mean, yeah, Marxism is a wonderful idea for us here in America, even though it didn't work for anyone else, anywhere else. Well, the reason why it didn't work, my friends, is because it's not biblical. It's not God's way. And so when we reason together and we think about things that are broken, when we think, uh, think, that, uh, think about things that aren't right, when we think about sin, when we think about wrongdoing, when we think about injustice, the, the Bible teaches us here, God says, let's reason about this. I'm just talking to you about one thing that God wants to reason to you about. He says, let's reason about sin together. And let's reason about the fact that only through biblical Christianity, only through the Bible way, only through a personal God that is interested and he sees and he wants to help, only through that way can sin be reconciled. That's the only way. Because all the other potential solutions never really have a reconciliation for sin. Right? Let's try to do better. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let, 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 let's seek to, to, to push this through. Let's get this government in place. Let's send these people to jail. Let's, and it's just, it's just, you know, all, and some of those things may be helpful, but the fact of the matter is that only through God can there be a reconciliation, can there be a covering, can there be a, a, a full measure of fixing the problem of sin. And it starts with the individual. So what does, this, what does this say here? It says, come, let us reason together. Verse 18, say it the Lord. These are God's thoughts. Though your sin, and he uses an illustration here, though your sin be as scarlet, as red of a red as you could possibly have. Probably a little bit like Brother Travis's shirt right there. All right? This is a red, a really bold red color. It really stands out. It's evident, okay? It's evident that there's a problem there. Though your sin be as scarlet, it says, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, how does that happen? That only happens through a miracle. That only happens through God. Only through God could such a bold problem be reconciled. Something that by way of illustration is as is, is, is bold as the color scarlet be turned into something that's snow white. God says, you know, if you're willing to reason with me, I will show you that because sin is, 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 is uh, uh, described, it's defined as the transgression of the law, right? Right? Sin is crossing a boundary. 
There's a line there. Don't step down there. You step down. You cross a line. Who made those boundaries? If sin is a transgression of the law, where did the law come from? Let's reason together. Where did the law come from? Well, you know, if it's just up to everybody making their own law, then is that really a law? I mean, there has to be an absolute truth somewhere, right? If we understand in our heart of hearts that there is right and wrong, where did the concept of right and wrong come from? People are trying to find more and more and more, you know, their own way what right and wrong is. Now, there's some things coming on the horizon, if we keep going the way we are, that you are going to be shocked at some of the things that people say, okay, we believe this is okay now. Do you know what there's people right now that are trying to lobby for the fact that, that, that child abuse and pedophilia is okay? <laughs> there's people that are, that, are, that are trying to push that, that agenda. Why? Because they're saying I was, I was born this way. I was born with these inclinations. And so I can't help myself. You see what I'm saying? Look. If there isn't an absolute standard, listen, if there is not an absolute standard for law, if there is not absolute truth to God's word, if there's not a definer of what sin is, then who's to say what sin is? Your definition is just as good as mine, mine's just as good as yours, and uh, it's just all kind of arbitrary in the end, right? That's what started happening as soon as we pushed God out of the picture. You get, you get God out of the schools, no standard, for, no standard for right or wrong. You push, you push God's ways out of the courtrooms, it just all becomes arbitrary. You know, you've got to get the right guys on there to, to believe the right things, and they can just arbitrarily make their decisions, right? A standard for right or wrong. God says, hey, let's reason together. Now, if there is an absolute standard for right or wrong, and God is the one that defines that, and we step over his line, then who do we have to look to for mercy for not to, to, to not uh, have to pay for that? Well, we have to look to him for mercy. He's the judge of that. But you know, the merciful God did extend mercy. Because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commended his love towards us. He stretched out his love to us. He took initiative towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so God says here, hey, look, let's just reason together. All right, well, let's just talk about one thing. Let's reason together about sin. Do you have a sin problem? Have you ever done wrong in your life? Yeah, but I, compared to that guy over there, I'm, I'm pretty good. No, have you ever sinned against God and his holiness and his perfection and his standards? If you have, you have a problem. Because sinning against him, you have to reason this through. Sinning against him, you have to get it right with him, not with everybody else. And so the Bible gives us a way to do that. And that's the beautiful thing about God. As he didn't just say, hey, you have done wrong and you're in trouble. He said, but you know what? I made you. I created you. I still have this vision of spending forever with you. Let's reason together about how we can get this right. And it's only through Bible Christianity that that's reconciled. It's only through Bible Christianity. Let's look at another invitation here. Another invitation by Jesus. Come let us reason together. Let's look at uh, Psalm 34 verse 8. Psalm 34 verse 8. Yeah. The kids are great. They're the life of the church, you know. So a little noise is going to happen. 
And uh, we're good with that. Uh, moms are superstars, you know. I want to do that. <laughs> Psalm 34, verse 8. It's been a little more difficult recently, too, because we haven't had the full-fledged nurseries going on. But uh, if, uh, if you can use those, 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 are, those are tools. But uh, it's no problem. Psalm 34, verse 8. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see, what? That the Lord is good. There's another invitation there. Come and taste and see that I'm good. Now, I like to make that offer to people because, you know, my experience has been, my experience, and I think I'm made out of the same stuff you are. I think I'm fairly normal. Might be debatable to a certain degree. But I, 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 can, just, I, I, just, I can only give you my own testimony. And you can't argue with a person's personal testimony. This is my experience. My experience has been I have taken the Lord up on this invitation. I have tasted and I have seen that it is true that the Lord is good. I have seen that he is good. And you know, it's one for me, you know, I, I, and, and the, the imagery here is one of food, right? And I could tell you that I went to such and such restaurant. By the way, on Tuesday, I'm planning on going to the, the, uh, the Red Barn, I think it is, in, in Augusta. I hear that they, I hear they're pretty like-minded people. Uh, they support some of the things that I support. And not only that, but I hear they have really good food, okay? So, you know, somebody told me on several occasions, how many of you have been to the Red Barn before? Well, look at that. I'm in the minority. I've never been there. I've never been there. I feel left out now. I'm going to rectify that on Tuesday, all right? How many of you say they have pretty good food at the Red Barn? Everybody that raised their hand the first time, pretty, pretty much, all right? And so, you know, I've heard about that. People have told me they have great food at the Red Barn in Augusta. And uh, I, I even went on the website, and I saw pictures of that. And the pictures, they looked, they looked really good. But they, they could have taken those pictures anywhere, right? They could have just Googled uh, nice-looking food and put the pictures on there, right? And so I don't know for sure. I mean, people tell me that it's good, and so that piques my interest. I've seen pictures, and you know, I start to salivate a little bit. But you know, I gotta go and taste for myself. And then I'll be able to come next week, and I will give you a review, all right? <laughs> my boys, they, they write Google reviews. I'm probably not gonna bother doing that unless it's like really, really good or really, really bad. Uh, but I'll come and tell, I'll share with you guys next week, remind me, I'll tell you, you know, I tasted, of the Red Barn seafood, and it was really good. Uh, I hope that's my report. Now, people can tell you about the Lord, and that's good. I mean, that, that's helpful. Word of mouth is like the biggest thing, right? I remember when I was in business for myself, I mean, that's, I hardly ever advertised because I try to do a good job, and people, you know, if they didn't like me, you know, they, they'd tell their, their neighbor or whatever, and then nobody would call me. Um, if they did like the work I did, then, you know, they'd tell someone, and people would call. And that's the best kind of advertising. Word of mouth. And so someone can tell you, hey, look, I've tasted of the Lord. I have a relationship with the Lord. I can tell you that's the good life right there. Taste and see if the Lord is good. I, I did that. And I found that to be true. And I can describe that to you. I can give you mental imagery of my relationship with the Lord. But when it comes right down to it, for as much as I might talk about it, and for as much as I might try to encourage you to do it, when it comes down to it, it's, it's a personal decision. You either have to taste for yourself or not. And you can't force somebody to taste of the Lord and find Him good. You have to make that decision. But I can guarantee you, 
God's invitations are always true. And he always makes good on his invitations. And if he says, come and taste and see that I'm good, you're not going to be disappointed. Now how about this? How many times have you heard people that have tasted of other things and have lived to regret it? Right? No, I'm not going to bother with God. I'm going to get into this lifestyle instead. I'm going to pursue this instead. I'm going to make this my life instead. I'm going to pour my life into this instead. And over and over and over and over again, you hear of lives of regret because they tasted of it and it didn't end up being what was really fulfilling. I have an illustration I use with the young people, and it's, to me it's vivid and it helps. It's the chocolate-covered cockroach. Okay? <laughs> because it just looks like it's going to be so great, and then it's like, that wasn't what I expected it to be. And so, when it comes to God's way, when God says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and then it goes on to say this. Are you in Psalm 34? Look at verse 8 again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, the next word, blessed is the man that trusted in him. Now that is one of the most powerful, one of the most uh, uh, positive words in the scripture right there. Blessed. I mean, it's hard to, to put a bad connotation to blessing. Blessed. True joy and lasting happiness comes from trusting in God. From trusting in him. And that's the invitation, to draw, to draw close to, to, to him. And, uh, you know, people, they, they trust in all kinds of things. They trust in all kinds of things. They don't end up holding water in the end. But look, we try to offer that here at our church. To say, you know, we're genuine people. We're just like you. We've got problems. <laughs> We've had issues. We might still have issues. We're just people that are coming here and we're seeking to taste more of the Lord in his ways. And we're finding him good. We're finding that his ways are good. God is not like, hey, I'm going to make up all these rules to kind of like make your life miserable and show I'm in control. You know, like he just kind of lays awake at night thinking about new impositions he can put on him. You know, new regulations. New weird mandates. You know, <laughs> new things that, that, that just kind of like uh, uh, make, make our life more complicated. That's not God. God says, I'm going to give you my ways because these are the best. These are conducive to life and to vitality. These are good ways. These are going to protect you and the, and, the, and the people around you. I am a good God. I have your best interests in mind 100% of the time. That is God. Oh, taste and see that he is good. That he is good. If I were to go around this room this morning, I have no doubt there's many of you that would say that. You know, I give that testimony. That's true right there. And that's the reason why I'm here. And some of you might be here today because you're like, well, you know, I've heard. I've heard that God, God's way is good. And I'm just starting to learn about I'm interested in it. I want a taste of it. And, and, and you know, I'm just maybe ready to, to go a little further with that, to experience that for myself. And that's a great place to be, too. That God's working in your life. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's look at that one more this morning. Invitations of Jesus. Hebrews 11.28. Oh, these are good. There's dozens of them. I just picked out a handful this morning. Thought, oh, if these help me, maybe they'll help you too. Hebrews 
passage did I give you? Matthew? That doesn't even rhyme with Matthew, does it? Let's go to Matthew instead. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. I was going to start reading the verse, and I thought, I think I said Hebrews. <laughs> I couldn't remember for sure. All right. Talking about memory this morning, you know, mine is as sharp as I guess maybe it was at one time. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says this. This is an invitation. An invitation for Jesus. Looking into Jesus and seeing his invitations for you. So the first word of Matthew eleven twenty eight is what? Come. It's an invitation there. Come. Come unto me. And then he talks to a certain person here. And this person may be you. It may be you. I know it's been, it's, it's been me at times. Come unto me, all ye, every one of you, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Now, he's talking spiritually speaking here. It's obvious in the context he's talking spiritually speaking. So he's not saying, hey, uh, you've, been, you've been working hard all your life. I've got good news for you. Quit your job and everything will be fine. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Okay, um, the Bible is for hard work. The Bible says stuff like if uh, you know if you want to eat, you got to work. All right, um, but it does say here, "Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest." And it seems to me like you know the most prosperous nation in the world. The most prosperous nation in the world should be the, world, the, the, the nation where the most people are at peace. Where the least people are stressed. Where you'd find the most people that just understand that, you know, I don't have to be worrying all the time. Where you'd have people that, that understand, you know, that, that, that life is not about having to carry these burdens all the time. Carry these burdens and be under this heavy weight of burden. But it seems like in our land, we're looking to all kinds of things and we're still under the same kind of burdens. You know, psychology. We found in America that psychology doesn't have the answers. They might be able to help in some areas, but people are still struggling with the same depression, with the same lack of answers, the same burdens that they had many times before. Sociologists that say, you know, if we could just create this culture, try to get this perfect environment in our country, then everything would be fine. And those things seem to fail. We still have marital inf uh, infidelity. <laughs> Alcoholism, addictions of all sorts, immorality. And when you look closely at those things, inevitably they're a direct result of the restlessness that people have. The restlessness. The, the living a life of being heavy laden and trying to find a way to pacify that. Looking to all the wrong medicines to try to rectify their situation. When Jesus says, look, I want to give you an invitation here. <laughs> I'm the one that made you. I understand your dilemma. I understand what you're trying to work through here. I understand the load that you're carrying. And I invite you to come to me and I will give you rest. 
You say, well, how exactly does that work? <laughs> I would say that there, in a way, it's an immediate thing, but in a way, it's a bit of a process as well. Because I think that when you come to that point where you cast your cares upon the Lord, saying, you know, you made me, you understand me, I'm just going to release this to you, I'm not going to carry this burden myself anymore, I think at that moment right there, there is a tremendous relief. But do you know what Jesus starts to do at that point? He starts to give you the truths that will set you free. The Bible says, this is my truth, and my truth will set you free. It will set you free. And God is gracious to give you those, those things. You know, the, the answer, okay, this thing, God has the answer for it. This dilemma, the Bible has the answer. This situation, this is how you work through it. And it's a, it's a process. It's God giving you, dispensing to you, little by little, what you need at that time. But the initial thing is just this. Lord, <laughs> I'm just releasing this to you. I understand this point. I've gone far enough in this. I do not have the answers to get rid of all these burdens. And so, Lord, I'm going to stop this struggle. I'm going to start, I'm going to start looking to you. And I can tell you, God's faithful. When Jesus says this, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, he's not being disingenuous. He's not messing with you. He's not going to say, well, I was just a little, a little hyperbole there. <laughs> He's going to come through for you. But this is me, okay? This is me. I'm just going to get a little more pumped up about this. I'm going to get on top of the world. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to find a way because I'm Mark Philbrick and I'm, I've got talent and I've got abilities and I'm going to get her done. That's me. You know what I'm doing? I end up hitting my head against the same wall over and over again. That's what Mark Philbrick ends up doing. But when I believe Jesus, and I say, okay, Lord, I'm just, I'm willing to now just push my, my pride aside and to say, I need you. I need you, Lord. <laughs> I need you in my life. I want to take your invitation. If you're really saying to me that I can come to you and you'll give me rest in you, that sounds wonderful just about now. That sounds really good. I'm going to take you up on that. And so... God gives us invitations, and, and you know, it's up to us whether we're going to heed them or not. If I invite you to my house for a party, I mean, it's up to you. Whether you're gonna, I'm not going to go round you up. All right, we're going to have a good time there. We're going to have some stuff to eat. We're going to have fun. We're going to make some good memories. You got the invitation. I'm not going to see if you were there, and if you weren't there, I'm not going to go pick you up. Probably. I mean, if you call me, I might. But uh, you understand what I'm saying, right? And so Jesus, he gave, he gave invitations. And one time he gave, an, he gave the illustration of giving an invitation to this great gathering that we're going to have. This feast, this celebration, this marriage celebration, this wonderful time. And all the people pretty much that were invited made excuses why they were too, you know, they were too important to come to that. So you know what Jesus said? Well, the invited list didn't come, so I guess we're just going to go out into the, you know, the byways, the highways, and the hedges, and we're going to round some other people up. Because God's will is for his happenings, for his gatherings, for his house, for everything that he wants to offer, for that to be full, to that to be maxed out, for everybody to take advantage of that. And so he gives the offer to you today. I like the last chapter of the Bible where, where, where this invitation is given. John, I'm just going to read it to you. In the last chapter of the Bible, it says, Revelation 22, it says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, 
And let him that heareth say, Come. Invitations. Let him that is thirsty come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life free. You know, when God gives him an invitation, he doesn't charge for it. I offered uh, somebody here something uh, uh, today, and, they, and uh, it was really nice. They were very respectful, and they said, well, how much is it? And, you know, I, I just wanted to give it to them. And that's a nice thing, because then they, they received it, right? And they received it graciously. And I, and I gave it out of a gracious heart. You know, God does the same. He comes to us and he says, look, I, I invite you to something. I want to give something to you. I want to give you of the water of life freely. And sometimes our first reaction is, well, how much is it going to cost me? Jesus, no. I want to give you of the water of life. Well, what do I have to do to earn? I want to give you of the water of life freely. Just come and take it. Come and take it. It's as simple as that. It's not an earned religion. It's an offered relationship. That's a biblical Christianity. It's an offered relationship. Jesus is wonderful. And in him, I have found everything that I need. And he offers it to you as well. Let's pray.